Well, good morning. That's fun. I don't have to sing then. It's good to see you. We are in week two of uh, our series, Carols. This is from Life Church. Uh, this is one of those series that uh, I know that a number of years ago we thought, man, we should do this series around Christmas. And I never wanted to do it because I thought I would have to sing all these songs in front of you or in some way repeat them. So I can just promise, promise you this uh, I'm not going to do that. All right, so you don't have to worry about that. That won't be a part of anything we do. But if you didn't miss last week, I encourage you to go back and check it out. Uh, this is just a series around trying to take the nostalgia and bring it back into meaning, trying to take these songs, some of these things that we've sung for years maybe, and, and kind of recla- recapture them, reclaim them, bring them back into prominence so that when we hear them and when we sing them, we have some meaning behind them. And maybe even that can translate into a conversation or might just translate into an internal conversation that, that actually brings some hope and real change uh, around the holiday season. Because uh, if you're like me, uh, the holidays just feel like just like a roller coaster, right? Like it just feels like up till like Thanksgiving, it's, I mean, it just whatever reason, it's just like straight into Christmas. And then you hit Christmas and it's over and you get off there and you're a little sick, you feel full, you know, and you're done. And your pockets been you've been stolen, everything's lost out there in the ride. Maybe you're not like me. Anybody feel like that a little bit? I just got like half smiles. So is everybody just really tired? Is that what it is? I think everybody's just really tired. That's okay. We're going to get through this. Because uh, today we're going to try to recapture our second carol. As, uh, last week's story, if you didn't hear it, last week uh, we did Oh Holy Night. It was like one of those moments you're like, that was amazing. The history of the song, so cool. This one, not so much. Right? I'm just going to be honest. Like That was like a p- knockout punch. This one's like a, eh. but it's good still, so don't tune out, all right? But I just want you, don't want you to have the same like emotional radio, like ready for like, oh, Holy Night was the first song ever played on the radio, all right? That is so cool. This one is a little different, all right? Uh, oh, Come All You Faithful has like a thousand stories behind it. Uh, Some say it was written in the 1400s as a ballad that kings used to welcome their patrons to their castle for a royal wedding. All right, and, and then in the 1700s, we kind of have this first like, kind of draft that was kind of synced with the Catholic Church. Uh, it was written by a guy named John Francis Wade. But on further research, we kind of find out that it kind of had a secret political uh, coding in it. That was for a group of radicals, uh, Portuguese radicals, that were going to overthrow the then government. And they were using all of the verbiage in there to rally the people to their cause. And I was like, wow, this, this has got some deep meaning that I'm excited to preach about when I got to about right then. I'm not going to lie. I was like, wow, here we go. Uh, and then we get in the 1800s, and uh, this uh, gentleman uh, named uh, Oakley, he actually reformatted and retook it out of the Latin, brought it into English. Um, but it was, uh, let's just say, it doesn't rhyme. It, it doesn't follow any kind of polo- poetic kind of... Uh, tenure. <laughs> it doesn't have any really rhythm in the song that would make it attached, but for whatever reason, it did. And it pulled people in, and it became one of the most popular songs in the mid-1800s. Now, why do I tell you all this? Now, because we're going to talk about it today. Why do I tell you all this? First of all, I tell you this to say this. We are in the business of watching God take things that look obscure and broken and so far from being used to glorify him and bring them into prominence and bring them into restoration and use them with purpose. Uh, I'll just use one example real quick to, to clarify what uh, was a symbol of power, of torture for the Roman government. 
But see, if I told somebody in the first century that we would put it in the center of our church, they would have been like, what are you doing? You've sold out. The Romans got you too. But see, we put it up there for a different reason, don't we? That's a symbol of hope. That's a symbol of full life being found. So, when you first think about, come all you faithful, I want you to recognize that this is a song that has its roots, probably in kingship of earthly kind, but ends up being a call to worship an eternal king. That's stinking good. So we're going to reclaim it, and we're just going to start with one little sentence like we did last week, and I just want to use that to kind of launch us into our discussion for today. So this is the one line that I always think of when I think of this song. Uh, oh, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant. How many of y'all actually sing that 100% feeling it when you sing it? Because I'm just going to break this down for you, okay? Number one, come all you faithful. Okay, let's just talk about how faithful you and I feel. How many of y'all went through with your New Year's revolution, resolution all year long this year? How many of y'all can't even remember what it was? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah! How many of y'all had one you can't even remember it right now? Who's brave enough? Yeah, <laughs> like I had one, I don't even remember what it was. Right? Faithful. How many of y'all, you said you were going to wake up at a certain time this last week, and you hit the snooze? Yeah, that was me. I'm a snooze guy. It's terrible. <laughs> this is a word that when I hear it, I never identify myself, or very rarely do I identify myself with. So when I sing this, all I'm thinking is everybody else. <laughs> Not me. Everybody else. Now, you would think that in Christmas season, the next word would be easier, right? Joyful. I have three little kids. There are definitely times that I am filled with joy. There are a lot of times I'm not. <laughs> if I could just be completely honest, my three-year-old has learned how to take his own diaper off. Yeah, he still poops in it. You just put those together. All right, I could be joyful and then instantly not. It's a game that we have to play now. Where'd you take it off? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, put that in your mind, all right? Joyful, joyful. I don't immediately attach to this. So now we're supposed to be faithful and joyful. I'm out. And then the last word, triumphant. I mean, how, when's the last time y'all said triumphant in your life? I said y'all already like three times. That's okay, we're gonna get through it. Triumphant, how many of you guys have said that? And you're like, come in, you did the dishes, right? You come back in the back of bed and you're like, I did it! I have triumphant feelings, <laughs> right? I am triumphant. No, they, they, we don't use that word anymore. But yet we, we somehow have this song that has it in there. And, and very rarely do I feel very triumphant about anything these days. Anything. I have minor victories, minor things I feel good about, and then I instantly critique, criticize, and, and then dread the next chance to fail. I don't know if you're like me. In the holidays, I, let's just be real, when I sing this song, I don't identify with any of that. In fact... 
When I sing this song, more I'm thinking is, I wish, I wish, I wish. I wish I felt faithful. I wish I was joy-filled right now. I wish I felt triumphant. So come all ye that do. Sound good? Let's just let this start our conversation. Let's start with this. If it says, come all ye faithful, what is really is the call to something. So who did Jesus call? Who does Jesus call? If that's what we're trying to do is recapture something out of nostalgia and bring it back into purpose, into meaning, who does Jesus call? Because I don't always feel faithful and joyful and much like a victor or much like in triumph. So, so who is Jesus really calling if I don't identify as that? Who's he? Man, there we go. I'm in. Are you in too? Doesn't that feel more like the holidays? Let's just be honest. Weary and burdened, right? I don't know where you're at. I know some of you just, I love Chris. I talked to someone this morning. Either most people have a smile on their face or they are Scrooge McDuck behind, the, behind the, their eyes right now, all right? You'd like, Merry Christmas. They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, all right? Weary and burdened. This is what Jesus actually says in Matthew. I love this. Matthew 11. Then Jesus said, come to me, come to me, all ye weary and burdened, and what? I will give you rest, I will give you rest, whew, that's who Jesus is talking to, come all ye who are weary and burdened, second group. Jesus calls the sinners. Whew, I'm in. I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm burdened, and I'm a sinner. This is who Jesus is talking to. In Matthew chapter 9, there's this amazing story. I, I, I've read this text, but I never really put it together like that until this last week. And someone was talking about it. It opened my eyes to being able to understand exactly how crazy this thought is. Uh, Jesus is interacting with Matthew, and uh, Matthew the tax collector, and so he calls Matthew to be a follower, and then immediately says, hey, Matthew, I want to come to your house, and I want to uh, uh, come and eat with you. And, and in that day, that was basically like, I mean, that was a brotherhood handshake, like I'm in your life, you and I are tied together, complete friendship. And that was something that Jews and Gentiles that, that just did not happen. And a tax collector was a, a real rebellious, incredibly greedy, treacherous person at the time. This is a person that sold basically the rights to own the ability to take taxes from the people of Jews, the Jewish people of Israel. And then they would literally take more than they needed and keep it for themselves. I mean, this is the, the most despicable person of that time. So then Jesus goes to his house and he's interacting with his, with his friends in Matthew and the Pharisees are outside the house. They won't even go inside the house to talk to Jesus. They send the middleman to tell Jesus, why are you interacting with sinners and, and, and tax collectors? And so Jesus has this reply and this is what we're picking up on and this is why it just blows my mind. This is what Jesus says back. On hearing this, Jesus says, it is not the healthy, what? Who need a doctor, but 
the sick. For I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Now, pause real quick. Jesus is still in the house. He hasn't gone outside the house. Jesus is still sitting right amongst Matthew. You recognize that? You imagine just sitting there next to Jesus, and you're like, oh, this is going to be good. He's going to tell him off. This is going to be amazing. And then he's like, I'm not here for the well. I'm here for the sick. And they're like, yeah, wait a second. Wait a second. Oh, sorry. Am I, are you saying I'm sick? <laughs> yeah. I fully love you. I'm fully with you. I'm actually a part of your life totally, but 100%. Look at me, look at me. You're greedy and you're stealing from your own people. Uh, yeah, you're sick. But that's okay. Uh, I came here for you. I came here for you. I'm not going to ignore the truth. I'm not going to pretend like you're well when you're not. But I'm also sitting right here with you. And maybe you came just to hear that today. It's okay to be sick and to be here. It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. Jesus just doesn't want you to stay that way. He doesn't want you to stay that way. And he's calling you to him. And he's calling out to you. Oh, come all ye sinners and sick. Come to Jesus. So if that's who Jesus is calling, and that's, that's who I identify with. I, I, I would think that you would identify with that around this season. It's the time of comparison, right? <laughs> Anytime I feel good about myself, I just get on the internet and then I either feel worse or I can make myself feel better pretty quick. But what are we supposed to become? Faithful, joyful, and triumphant. What is Jesus calling us to become then? If he's, if he's inviting us in, then he's inviting something to change. He's inviting something to be transformed He's inviting something to be miraculously reclaimed. Let's talk about three quick things. One is this. What does Jesus help us become? Jesus, Jesus helps us become faithful. Jesus helps us become faithful. Hebrews 12 is, is so cool about this. He, he, it basically just draws out the entire story of the Bible, just showing how everything is connected. God has been working through the brokenness, the hurt, working through things that were, seemed so ungodly to bring about a godly divine end. And, and, and Jesus is the finishing stroke. And this is what the author of Hebrews says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our faith is not found in our faithfulness, but in his. The faithfulness that we're called to is a reflection of the one that has been faithful. There is no substitute for consistency and what it brings in change. We had a God that was consistent over the course of time and is calling us to full life that is in his faithfulness to find that consistency in ours that would bring fullness. He is calling us to faithfulness. 
He's calling us to become people that would reflect his own character, that would reflect who he is. As we're kind of in this transition from Kevin taking off a few weeks ago, I know I mentioned his name. I want to say he who shall not be named. That's what I want to say, all right? But I'm not going to say it. I love him. He's doing well. Everything's good. I've talked to him. But I, I've been talking with people, and everybody's kind of trying to figure out how to deal with this. You know, we're kind of mourning, kind of angry, sad, you know, whatever that is. It's with different stages of grief. <laughs> but what I'm finding is there's just no substitute for consistency and time. Uh, there's no substitute for it. If you've had a person or people in your life, and you've been around them for a long time consistently, and they leave, there, there's no substitute. You can't bring any number of people in to just do a job. It's going to take building a relationship. It's going to take consistency and time for us to heal. We're, we're going to do that. I'm more preaching myself than I am you. All right? But we will. And that's what a relationship with Jesus does too. Over the course of time, the consistency with him, the time with him, he nudges, he whispers, he screams sometimes. But he calls you to be faithful. That's what we're going to do consistently over time. Remind ourselves that we are, we are called to be faithful. We are called to be faithful. Second, Jesus helps us become more joyful. Man, I need that right now, don't I? Don't you. The reason is because joy is one of those fruits of the Spirit. I always like being reminded of this, and I hope you will too, that the fruits of the Spirit are things that are given that are actually from God, that are created, intended to be experienced and seen in each other's lives. Something that's supposed to eke out of us, something that's supposed to be produced by us, but are not, not always natural. Uh, Galatians, of course, is where this list is found, but this is what it says. The fruits of the Spirit are, is love, joy, peace, patience. You can finish the list, but, but joy is in there. It's in there. Now, the reason we struggle with this is because things aren't always joyful, right? Like, if I drop something on my foot, I'm not like, if I responded by going, yay, everybody would be going, ooh, I need to be a little worried, <laughs> right? Like, no one would go, that's the correct response. But see, happiness is found in happenings. Joy is found in Jesus, uh, happenings is where happiness is found. Joy is claimed. Joy is discovered. Joy is remembered in Jesus. This is like you knowing some amazing thing is coming up that is going to happen, that is going to change everything, that is a for sure thing that your faith is in. And no matter what happens right now, that is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's a thing you can rest in. And that in the moment will bring great joy. Believe me, the bedtime of 8 o'clock right now in my house sometimes is a thing that I claim the joy in at dinner. All right? I'm like, is everyone screaming and not eating their food and the house looks wrecked? I'm like, 8 o'clock. There's joy. <laughs> right? And some of y'all have teenagers, and it's a different time. It's like 10.30 or midnight, whatever age they are. 
As soon as they're in the house and they're last night, I know. All right? But see, that's a joy that can be claimed no matter the circumstance, no matter the happenings. And I know around Christmas time, look, there are so many things that are not going the way you wanted it. You're not going to their house. They're not coming to your house. In fact, no one's getting together this year. And you're looking down the barrel of one of the loneliest, hardest seasons of your life. And it's hard. And and I'll tell you, you don't have to pretend to be happy. That's okay. It's okay to be sad or lonely. It's okay if you're hurting because pain hurts. This is the truth. Don't let anybody tell you different. But look, there is joy awaiting you. And there is joy found in Christmas that is not in the presence of another person in this room or some distant place. There is joy in that day that you will claim one day for eternity in its fullness. But you can walk in today And each of us have to learn how to do that, not just on Christmas, but every day. Let us fix our eyes. It has to become joy-filled people. Lastly, Jesus helps us to become triumphant. I hate losing. I hate it. There is nothing more frustrating and difficult for me. We had a couple over at our house uh, a week ago, and we played this stupid dice game called Farkle. You guys ever played Farkle? Okay. It's a stupid game. The worst part was I suggested it, (laughs) which makes it even worse. I lost every game. We played couple versus couple, guys and guys, switched on everybody. I lost every game. One game, we were playing to 10,000, all right, the score. One game, I had less than 100 points when we finished the game. I got farkled like three times. What's the most depressing thing in the world? And then we got done, and they left, and all I thought was, I'm a big loser. A loser of losers. Stupid dice game. For you, it may not be that. It may be something way more serious. It may be that life has just dealt you some crummy hands. Circumstances have been against you. Car's out. She left. He left. Bank account's dry. She's in the hospital again. She didn't make it. He didn't make it. I'll tell you, there's some days that I know you may just feel like you are defeated and that you are under the gun and that you will never see the light again. And no matter how, what happens from here on out, you will just always remember the defeats, your own choices or others. And I'll tell you, there is no greater claim to victory than in the claim over death that is on the cross and an empty tomb. And if you don't hear that Jesus is calling you to walk in that victory, joyfully and faithfully, you are missing the point of Christmas. 
You are missing the point of Christmas. You are a victor. You are triumphant. You are absolutely on top. You have been given the keys to eternal life. Full life is at your feet now, and you will walk in it forever. No one can touch you. No one can do anything to take it away. It is in your hands, and it is a gift from God. I love how Isaiah says this. This is kind of a fun little section of verses. This is what he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and the peace that will never end, he will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And this was only with Isaiah getting a picture of what the cross and the work of Christ would be. This is not in the fullness that you and I walk in. This was but a shadow of what he had seen. You and I, we claim it all the more. We are victors. And we share that victory with anyone who will listen that they do not have to walk in defeat anymore. That they can claim that victory too. Come all ye who are weary and burdened, sick and sinners, to a God that is faithful, to a God that is faithful, full of joy for you, and has defeated sin and offers you victory. Pray with me.